Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. Study concerning the Holy Spirit. We spent about, well, 58 weeks, 58 plus weeks in the book of Mark, and we are doing a little uh, topical study now on the Holy Spirit. And if you have a bulletin, it's an opportunity for you to take some notes. Our sermon is entitled, What Does the Holy Spirit Do? And on the back of your bulletin it says, In our study of the Holy Spirit, we asked the first question a couple of weeks ago, Who is the Holy Spirit? And the simple answer is the Holy Spirit is God and is part of the Trinity. And the Trinity is explained as, and we used these three ideas a couple weeks ago about the Trinity, God is three persons, each person is fully God, and there is one God. Now, that has the capability of blowing your mind because we just can't quite get a supernatural God into our finite Minds, But there is a diagram that uh, I found this past week that I think might help us a little bit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Each section, if you will notice, is equal and part of the whole. The, the uh, dotted line signifies that those are not specific Entities of themselves, they're part of the whole. And so, as I shared a couple of weeks ago, it's like trying to explain a Ferrari to uh, somebody born in the 1800s. All right, that's kind of what the kind of what the explanation of the Trinity is. We know it's biblical. We know there's Bible verses, and we talked about those a few weeks ago uh, concerning the Trinity. But it is a difficult biblical doctrine to understand. According to Scripture, each person of the Trinity has a unique role. They do have a section there. So the next question is, uh, in our study, what does the Spirit do? We, we kind of have a, an idea of who the Spirit is. The next section that we're going to talk about is, what does the Holy Spirit do? And for this study, we will look at eight distinctive roles of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not, we're not going to look at all eight of them right now, so just... just Take a deep sigh of relief. We're going to take a look at three of them today. But we're going to take a look in our study of the Holy Spirit of eight distinct roles of the Holy Spirit. And so our question is, what does the Holy Spirit do? And for those that are visually uh, learners, some people are visual, some people uh, can just listen and are listening learners. Some people that are visual like to see something. I found a video that... uh, I'd like us to watch that kind of gives some of those eight distinctive roles of the Holy Spirit. So, watch this. The Bible is quite clear that the Holy Spirit is active in our world. The book of Acts, which sometimes goes by the longer title of the Acts of the Apostles, could just as accurately be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. After the Apostolic Age, there have been some changes. The Spirit does not inspire further scripture, for example, but He continues to do His work in the world. First, the Holy Spirit does many things in the lives of believers. He is the believer's helper. He indwells believers and seals them until the day of redemption. This indicates that the Holy Spirit's presence in the believer is irreversible. 
He guards and guarantees the salvation of the ones He indwells. The Holy Spirit assists believers in prayer, and intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Holy Spirit regenerates and renews the believer. At the moment of salvation, the Spirit baptizes the believer into the body of Christ. Believers receive the new birth by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit comforts believers with fellowship and joy as they go through a hostile world. The Spirit, in His mighty power, fills believers with all joy and peace as they trust the Lord, causing believers to overflow with hope. Sanctification is another work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. The Spirit sets Himself against the desires of the flesh and leads the believer into righteousness. The works of the flesh become less evident, and the fruit of the Spirit becomes more evident. Believers are commanded to be filled with the Spirit, which means that they are to yield themselves to the Spirit's full control. The Holy Spirit is also a gift giver. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. The spiritual gifts that believers possess are given by the Holy Spirit as He determines in His wisdom. The Holy Spirit also does work among unbelievers. Jesus promised that He would send the Holy Spirit to convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Spirit testifies of Christ, pointing people to the Lord. Currently, the Holy Spirit is also restraining sin and combating the secret power of lawlessness in the world. This action keeps the rise of the Antichrist at bay. The Holy Spirit has one other important role, and that is to give believers wisdom by which we can understand God. The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Since we have been given the amazing gift of God's Spirit inside ourselves, we can comprehend the thoughts of God as revealed in Scripture. The Spirit helps us understand. This is wisdom from God, rather than wisdom from man. No amount of human knowledge can ever replace the Holy Spirit's teaching. Got questions? The Bible has answers, and we'll help you find them. So, that was a whole lot of stuff. We're not going to go through all of that, but we are going to go through some of that. But that just gives you an idea of the Holy Spirit. It's bigger... The Holy Spirit is bigger than I think we give Him credit to be. I think it's, it's, it, the, the topic is broader. A lot of times we don't talk much about the Holy Spirit, but I think we just from that video saw that it's a big deal, and that's why we're studying. So what does the Holy Spirit do? We're going to take a look at three things. The first thing is, and it talked about this in the video, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Of sin, And if you look at John chapter 16, uh, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples and he's getting ready to leave them to be uh, crucified on a cross. And this is what he says to them in John chapter 16 verse 5. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me where are you going because I have said these things you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor, another name for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then here's our verse. When he comes, he will convict the world of sin or guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So the... Role of the Holy Spirit, all of these things that I'm going to talk about today kind of come in unison. 
The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. That's what is happening currently. And I think it's interesting, if you were here last week, we had three people shared their testimonies. And in their testimonies, they gave us an understanding that they were going this direction, and it wasn't a good direction in their life. And because the Holy Spirit convicted them of their sin, they made a 180-degree turn and started to go this direction. And I think all of the points that I'm going to be sharing with you today were summarized last week in those that gave their testimonies. So those people that gave their testimonies began to understand who God was by being convicted by the Holy Spirit. But here's the deal. In order for the message of the gospel to make any sense to sinners, they have to realize that there is something they have to be saved from. Before you can understand what it means to be saved, you've got to realize that there is something that you need to be saved from. And we know that to be sin. We need to be saved from sin. People were saying in their testimonies they were heading this way and sin was a real rampant part of their life and God got a hold of their heart and then they started moving this way. And so they realized that they were sinners and that they were separated from God. God is holy and righteous. We are sinners and we are unrighteous. And until we understand that there is until we understand that, there is no reason to come to God. I've heard people say, are you saved? And I've heard the response uh, be, from what? You know, they, they don't have an understanding of what they need to be saved from because the Holy Spirit has not completely convicted them where they make a 180 degree turn. Maybe the Holy Spirit is beginning to convict them and they're beginning to say, uh, see that they're not on the right path that they need to, something's not quite right, and they need to get themselves in order, but that is the role of the Holy Spirit. But here's the, here's the, the catcher. The devil has a trick up his sleeve, and the Bible says he blinds our hearts from the reality of our sin. And so there are verses like 1 Corinthians 1.18 that says, the cross is foolishness, to those who are perishing. So if you start talking to somebody about the cross, immediately they will think, eh, that's dumb. That doesn't make any sense. I don't understand that. Because the devil doesn't want us to see that we have a problem, and that problem is sin. And so he says uh, in 1 Corinthians 1.18 that the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But if you go on to that verse, it says, but to those that are saved... It is the power of the cross that gives us life in abundance. So the initial responsibility of the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do? The initial responsibility in a person's life is that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and makes it plain to see that we are sinners and need a Savior. So that last verse, when He comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, so he will show you what you are doing wrong and righteousness. He will then show you what you need to do that is right. And all of that is in response to judgment. And so discerning your judgment will be according to how you take a look at those first two things in regard to sin, in regard to righteousness. If you understand that you have 
sin and need to become righteous in Christ, then you will miss out on the judgment that is to come. In fact, the eternal judgment of hell. But if you determine that what you're doing is really no big deal and you don't want to turn from it and you don't want to do what is right, then the judgment from that, of course, is hell. So that is the initial responsibility of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in the world working behind the scenes. You don't know, we don't know the work of the Holy Spirit to convict people of their sin. <clears throat> the next thing the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit leads or draws sinners to Jesus. As the Holy Spirit convicts, God the Father, and this is a supernatural thing, God the Father supernaturally draws sinners to a decision time. Those people that were sharing their testimony, I remember David said that he was in a church service and God the Holy Spirit got his heart and he immediately started bawling and realizing that he needed a Savior and he turned his life completely around. I remember when Robin was sharing. Robin was a little bit different. Robin slowly moved into that decision to become a Christ follower. And so it's all different. It's in a supernatural drawing of God the Father with God the Spirit working in the life of sinners to make a decision. All right, it's commitment time. i got to make a decision. Make a, a, a decision to be a Christ follower. It's called regeneration. Regeneration. The word regeneration means spiritual rebirth. That's why you might have heard the term born again. That's the idea of regeneration or spiritual birth. It's being born again. So in Ephesians it talks about being dead to sin and being made alive to righteousness in Christ. And so Jesus explains this whole born-again idea to Nicodemus. And you're probably familiar with that. Nicodemus, if you look at John chapter 3, you will see Jesus' encounter with a religious leader whose name is Nicodemus. And uh, John chapter 3 and verse 5. This Nicodemus comes to him and has questions. And uh, Jesus says, I tell you the truth... No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water, that's a physical birth, and of the Spirit, that's a spiritual birth. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. So this regeneration is then being offered by the Holy Spirit. This new birth is being offered by the Holy Spirit. And then... Uh, John, or Jesus, actually uses an example and compares the drawing of God the Father and the Holy Spirit into regeneration. He compares that to wind. He says this, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So the idea is that you cannot predict the movement of wind, neither can you predict the movement of the Holy Spirit. And this is evident in our world. Sometimes I've been to the Billy Graham Crusades 
I went to Angel Stadium. Angel Stadium, the, the record of Angel Stadium attendance is still held by Billy Graham's crusade back in the 80s. And I went there, and I remember Billy Graham pleading for the people to give their lives to Christ. And many people did. And it was amazing to watch the people come forward in the worship service at Angel Stadium in California as Billy Graham pleaded with people to come to Christ. Those people that came to Christ were in the process probably of being convicted by the Holy Spirit that they were moving in a direction they should not have moved. Possibly the wind just blew into that stadium that moment and that person says, wow, I didn't realize it, but I need Jesus. And they come forward. But the idea is that you cannot predict the movement of the wind, neither can you predict the movement of the Spirit. So the conviction and the supernatural drawing of the Holy Spirit and God the Father leads to a commitment then where we become Christ followers. So the Holy Spirit convicts. God the Father and God the Spirit draw that person to an understanding of what it means to be a Christian. And all of that takes place, if you have your bulletin on the inside, and this is why we have this here, it talks about how do I become a Christian? Well, you cross the bridge into God's family when you receive Christ by personal invitation. You will see that people on one side are sinful, God on the other side is holy. People can't get to God on their own. They need a Savior. They need someone that will explain, and God's Word explains how you can, through Christ, uh, move from one side to the other side. The Bible says, but as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. And so you will notice this, and we've been talking about it this morning. To receive Christ, you need to do four things. Number one, you need to admit your spiritual need. I'm a sinner. You know, somebody might say, well, are you saved? And the person might say, saved from what? What they don't understand is that they are sinners and they need to be saved from their sin. So the first thing you need to do is admit that you have a spiritual need, that you're going this direction and you want to go this direction because this direction has been a dead end for you. It's not, it, 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 there's nothing there that is satisfying. You're searching and you're searching and it's just not there. And so you need to make a 180 degree, admit your sin. You need to be, re you need to be repentant and that is that 180 degree and be willing to turn from your sin. You need to believe that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross and then you receive and that's this idea of being drawn to the Father where you then make a commitment to become a Christ follower. You receive through prayer Jesus Christ into your heart and into your life. And so there's a sample prayer here and it's a simple prayer. Uh, it, it, it makes a world of difference and, a, and an eternal difference, even though it's simplicity. And this is what it says. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as Lord and Savior. Lord is that he's now in charge. Savior is he is the Savior of your sin. And so when we do that, that is where 2 Corinthians 5, these are some of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 5 comes into play. And this is what it says, 2 Corinthians 5, 
I'm in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5. You're there before me. And verse 16. This is where we're getting to this point of commitment and saying yes to Christ. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, here it is, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. When you invite Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, Lord and Savior, you become a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself by convicting the world and drawing them that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting uh, men's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God and then God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the atonement that we sang about is when God made Jesus take our sin upon himself. And so this idea that when you then become a Christ follower, here's the great thing. You become a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. But you're saying to yourself, well, wait a second. If the old is gone, why do I still do things I ought not to? Why do I still say things I ought not to? Why do, why do I still think things that I ought not to? Why do I still, you know, have, have these problems? Well, that comes to our next point, and our next point is that after we become Christ followers, the Holy Spirit indwells new believers. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit draws. You, when you make a decision for Christ, then the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. God, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives inside of you. When we become saved, God, the Holy Spirit, indwells us. He sets up his residency in our life. We give him the house keys, if you will, and we say that, Lord, now, Holy Spirit, you are the new owner. You are the new owner. And 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this, that our bodies are now a temple of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. There's a quote that I... Uh, wrote in our newsletter this week and I didn't realize it was going to apply so well but it's a quote by Pastor Adrian Rogers and this is what he says when the child of God considers the word of God and sees the son of God and is changed by the spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God, he has found the truth of God, and he's been set free. 
I, I love that. And what I'm specifically talking about here is when we are changed by the Spirit of God and as Christ indwells us, we then become more in tuned and in line with the image of God for the glory of God. And so you're saying to yourself, okay, so here's the deal. I'm struggling with this. I can't seem to get this sin out of my life. The Holy Spirit now comes to indwell you and you begin the process, the long, arduous process of giving your life to Christ and inviting God, the Holy Spirit, to live by having the key to your heart and being able to clean up those closets that are somewhat ugly. And so Ephesians 5.18, and it said on the video, says to be filled or now be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so that is then what happens. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit draws you to Jesus. You make a commitment to follow Christ. And then when you make a commitment to follow Christ, God the Holy Spirit indwells you. And as you submit yourself to Him, as you commit yourself to Him, as you are filled with Him, sin becomes less evident and the fruit of the Spirit becomes more evident. I don't know if you remember seeing that on the video. You've got the, uh, you got the works of the flesh and you've got the fruit of the Spirit. As you submit to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit makes the fruits of the Spirit become more evident. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. The acts of the sinful nature found in Galatians chapter 5 become less evident as you move into a relationship with God the Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit become more evident. And I've got this starred three times. New birth manifests itself in godly living. New birth manifests itself in godly living. So you're going to want to do more and more and more and more for Jesus as that Holy Spirit becomes more and more and more evident in your life. It's called, and they talked about it up here on the video, sanctification. After regeneration, new birth, we begin to see and hear and see, seek after divine things and live a life of faith and holiness. So after regeneration, after we invite Jesus into our heart, that new birth, we begin to see and hear and seek after divine things and live a life of faith and holiness. We begin, and here you go, on the long journey to Christ-likeness. And it's a journey, folks. Nobody reaches it. But there is a wonderful Bible verse Philippians 1.6 that says, He who began a good work in you, he who began the good work by convicting, by drawing, and by indwelling, he who began that work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. He began that good work in you that was planned by God the Father, begun by God the Son on the cross, and will be completed by God the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us until we are called home. So we are in the sanctification process of becoming more and more like Christ. All right, that was a, that was a, that was a mouthful sermon right there. Um, 
On the bottom of your bulletin, it says the Holy Spirit is actively working in our world, drawing the unsaved to Jesus and empowering believers to be more Christ-like. If you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I don't feel very Christ-like. Well, that's because you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to empower you to be more Christ-like. And guess what? Next week, we will look at the empowering of the Holy Spirit after He indwells us he empowers us to live godly lives. So that's the, that's, the, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. He convicts the world of sin. He draws people to God the Father through God the Son. And he then transforms them by giving them new birth. And then he indwells them so that they can then live godly lives. Whew. Got it? Let's say a prayer. Lord, we thank you for your holy word. And Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.